So this evening we are going to be talking about offerings. We are going to be talking about the types of offerings that Christians are supposed to give. In the Old Testament there are multiple or many types of offerings. There are so many types of offerings in the Old Testament but today we are going to focus on the offering that concerns us or that is applicable to us as New Testament uh, believers. Last week we spoke about uh, giving and this today we want to focus on offerings and particularly the type of offerings that relates to us as New Testament believers. The people of the Old Testament had offerings like burnt offerings, peace offerings, wave offering, love offering. They had all types of offerings. But we're going to focus on those that are stipulated for us or applicable to us as New Testament believers. We're going to go straight away into the message or the teaching. And the first offering we're going to talk about today is tithe. Tithe. As I've said before, tithe is one of those uh, aspects of giving where many people across the body of Christ have different opinions and different notions. Some people who profess to be Christians don't believe in tithe. And they say it is a New Testament idea that tithe is no longer applicable in the, old, in the New Testament, that it was something in the Old Testament. But when you read the scriptures, you realize that before the law was given to Moses, Abraham paid tithe, Isaac paid tithe, Jacob paid tithe. So tithe is a covenant principle and not an aspect of the law. Tithe was never part of the law. It was not something given in the law. The people who lived in the time the law was given obeyed the principle of tithing as a continuation of the work of the fathers of faith that was passed down to them. And so when we talk about tithe, tithe simply means a tenth of something. Or in English, a 10%. So if I have something and I take 10% of that thing, it is called tenth, the tithe. But it is not tithe until it is given to the law. If I take 10% of my paycheck and I save it somewhere, it's not tithe. If I take 10% of my money and I eat it, it's not tithe. It's only tithe when it is given to the law. In Deuteronomy chapter 14, verse 22, it says, Thou shalt truly tithe all the increase of thy seed, that the field bringeth forth year by year. All the increase of the field, he says, you shall truly surely tithe. In Matthew 23, 23 says, Woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you pay tithes of mint and anise and cumin, and have omitted the weightier matters of the law, judgment and mercy, and faith. These ought ye to have done, and not have left the order undone. So what Jesus is saying to the Pharisees is that you pay tithes, but you ignore justice, you ignore mercy. And he says you should have paid tithes and also not forget to show mercy. That is what he's saying. So Jesus Christ told the Pharisees that both were necessary. So if anybody told you that Jesus never spoke about tithe, this is the scripture, Matthew 23, 23. 
He says you should have paid tithes and also not forget the weightier matters of the law, which is faith, justice, and mercy. And in Malachi chapter 3, from verse 7, verse 7 is one of those verses that I never really paid attention to, but recently I saw uh, something new. In Malachi chapter 3, verse 7, it says, Even from the days of your fathers, ye are gone astray from my ordinances, and have not kept them. Return to me, for I will return to you, said the Lord of hosts. But he said, Wherein shall we return? Now I want you to pay attention to this verse 7, because the Lord is saying to the people that they have departed from him and not kept his ordinances. So what ordinance is he talking about? He's going to explain that in verse 8. Because the people said, How have we gone far from you? What ordinances are you talking about? How shall we return to you? And this is the Lord saying. He says, Will a man rob God? He have robbed me. But he said, Wherein have we robbed thee? In tithes and in offerings. So God is saying, When the people stopped paying tithes and offerings, they departed from him. They stopped obeying his ordinances. So to return to the Lord, they had to start giving their tithes and giving their offerings. In verse 9 it says, Ye are cursed with a curse, for ye have robbed me, even the whole nation. He says, Bring ye all the tithes into the storehouse, that they may be meat in my house, and prove me now where it say the Lord of hosts, if I will not open the windows of heaven and pour you out the blessing." that there shall not be room enough to receive it. Now before I continue, the tithe is the only way in the Bible where the Bible where God says, test me on this, test me. No other place in the Bible does it say we can test God. But in tithe and offerings, we can test God with our tithe and offerings and see if you will not open the windows of heaven and pour down, not blessings, a blessing. I'm not teaching about time today, so I'm not going to go too deep into that because if I keep talking about all the aspects of this scripture, our Bible study is going to end only on this particular verse. And verse 11 says, I will rebuke the devourer for your sakes, and he shall not destroy the fruit of your ground, neither shall your vine cast the fruit before the time in the field, said the Lord of hosts. This is also very important to note. The Lord says he will rebuke the devourer. If you know or remember our, our, tithe and, uh, our tithe confession that we do in church every Sunday, this is where it is taken from. When the Lord says he will rebuke the devourer, it means no man can rebuke that devourer. The Lord himself, he will rebuke it. Your pastor cannot rebuke it. No man of God can rebuke it. Only the Lord himself will rebuke it. And what is a devourer? The devourer are those things that come into your life to devour your resources. Like those of us who come from agricultural environment, we used to have a locust. When locust flies in their, in, their, in, their, in their group and they land on a field, in a green field, in a matter of seconds, that field is devoured. That's a devourer. So a devourer is something that may arise to dis- destroy your income, to destroy your health, Sometimes you've saved money, 40, 50,000, 100,000 in the bank. You're planning to do something serious to that money. Then you go to the hospital. They say they found something in your brain, in your chest, and it needs a surgery. It's going to cost 75,000. 
That is 100,000 you were sitting somewhere, 75,000 has gone. That's a devourer. And the Lord is saying, the means which gives God the authorization to rebuke that devourer is through your tithing. That's what tithe is very powerful. So people who don't pay tithe is because they don't understand the covenant principle that goes with tithing. The Lord says he will rebuke the devourer. And in verse 12 he says, all nations shall call you blessed, for you shall be the delight of the land, say the Lord of hosts. In Leviticus chapter 27 verse 30 he says, And all the tithes of the land, whether of the seed of the land or of the fruit of the tree, is the Lord. It is holy unto the Lord. All the tithes. All the tithes. In Genesis 14 20 he says, And blessed be most high God which had delivered thine enemies into thy hand, and he gave him tithe of all. This is Abraham, when he paid his tithe, or gave tithe to Melchizedek. When he met Melchizedek, he was like a prince. Melchizedek is a type of Jesus Christ in the Old Testament. He was a king without beginning, without end. And when Abraham conquered the kings of Sodom, when he rescued Lord, on his way back he encountered Melchizedek and gave him tithe of all. I want to say, giving begins with tithe. Giving begins with tithe. Because tithe is required. It is a lost portion. So anything you give to God before the tithe is not giving because you are simply just giving God fractions of what belongs to Him. It is when you've given your tithe, then what you give after your tithe is what is considered giving. Tithe is kingdom tax. It is required. It is demanded. It is not generosity. You are not giving because you love God. You are giving because it is demanded. Tithe is not the tenth of the leftover. Let me explain that. Because sometimes we spend, and when we spend everything, we satisfy our own desires, then we take 10% of what is left to give to God. That's not tithe. And let me go in, in, in depth. If I'm working for a company, for example, my salary is, 20, is 2,000 francs, $2,000, let's say, bi-weekly. And I'm subscribed, I subscribe for uh, certain things on my job. I subscribe for cable. I subscribe for uh, every kind, all kinds of bills. And then they're deducting it from my paycheck directly. Tithe is not when all those things are subtracted, then I pay 10%. That's not tithe. Tithe is what you pay before your expenses. The 10% of what you get before your expenses. Because somebody may say, I'm going to pay my rent first. I pay my water bill. I pay my this before I give tithe. Tithe is 10th of the lump sum before your expenses. So it's not tithe. It's not 10th of the leftover. The second offering, which is mentioned in the Bible applicable to us, is first fruits. First fruit. Proverbs chapter 3, verse 9 and 10 says, Honor the Lord your God with thy substance and with the first fruit of thy increase. So shall thy bands be filled with plenty, and thy press shall burst out with new wine. Nehemiah 10, 35 says, And to bring the first fruit of our ground and the first fruit of all the trees year by year unto the house of the Lord. And Romans 11:16 says, For if the first fruit be holy, the lump is also holy. 
And if the roots be holy, so are the branches holy. So if the first fruit is not given to the Lord, the lump sum is not holy. But when the first fruit is given to the Lord, then the rest of the lump is holy. Second Chronicles 31.5 says, And as soon as the commandment came abroad, the children of Israel brought in abundance the first fruit of corn, wine, and oil, and honey, and all the increase of the field. And the tithe of, of all things brought them in abundantly. Abundantly. You can see again in Genesis 23.19, Genesis 4.3, which is very important as you read this. Genesis 4.3 and 4. It says, In the process of time came it came to pass that Cain brought the fruits of the ground as an offering unto the Lord. And Eber, he also brought the first fruits of his flock and of the fat thereof. And the Lord had respect unto Eber and his offering, but unto Cain and his offering he had no respect. And Cain was very rough and his countenance fell. The reason why God rejected the offerings of Cain was not because he was small. The reason why God rejected the offerings of Cain was because he was not the first. The Bible is very clear. Abel brought the first of his portion, the first that he got. And the Bible said the fatted one, the best of the first, he brought to the Lord. But listen, the Bible says in the process of time, Cain brought brought of the fruit of the ground, meaning it was not the first. He just went, took some of the things that he had harvested and brought it to the Lord. But Abel was careful to bring the first. And like I told you, God does not receive leftovers. That was the reason why his offering was rejected. So first fruit. The first of every increase belongs to the Lord. Now you see that uh, first fruit is the foundation of tithing. First fruit is the foundation of tithing. When we take the first 10% and give it to the Lord, this is, where the, this is the foundation where tithing comes from. We are giving God the first so that the rest can be sanctified, so that the rest can be blessed. God doesn't receive leftovers. God is first. He deserves the best and He, he deserves to receive the first. The third offering is free will offering. Free will offering. What is a free will offering? A free will offering is an offering made in addition to what is required. For example, we are expected that when we go into the house of the Lord on Sunday, we give our tithes and offerings. We give our tithes and offerings. But when you decide to give an offering that is not required, is not demanded, it's a free will offering. For example, if a pastor is preaching, nobody is requiring you to give an offering during preaching, but you give an offering during preaching. That's a free will offering. If somebody is singing a song and you're blessed by that song, you decide to give an offering. That's a free will offering. It's an offering which is not demanded. It's not required. You decide to just do something for the Lord or do something for the house of God or for God's people. You say, this Sunday coming, I'm just going to give some money so they can feed all the children. Nobody, desi nobody requested that of you, but you, desired, you, you, you decided to do it. 
That is free will offering. In Leviticus chapter 22, verse 18, it says, Speak unto Aaron and his sons, and unto all the children of Israel, and say unto them, Whatsoever he be of the house of Israel, or of the strangers in Israel, that will offer his oblation for all his vows, and for his free will offerings, which they offer unto the Lord for a burnt offerings. Leviticus 7 verse 7, 16 says, But if the sacrifice of his offering be a vow, or a voluntary offering, it shall be eaten the same day that he offered the sacrifice, and on the morrow also the remainder of it shall be eaten. Another name for free will offering is voluntary offering. Voluntary offering. You can see that again in Second Chronicles 31, 14. And in Ezra chapter 1, verse 4, it talks about free will offerings. Your generosity is measured by your free will offerings. Because every other offering that is demanded, you are giving because it's required. But your generosity is measured by the things you give to the Lord, to people, to friends, to relatives, to so who, whatsoever, to whosoever, when it is not required. So your generosity begins with your free will offering. That's what I said. After your tithes and your regular worship offerings, whatever you give after that is free will offerings. And that's where your generosity towards God is measured. Because there are many people that the moment they give tithes, let's say they get paid $2,000. Their tithe is $200. The moment they give that $200, the door has closed. Nothing leaves their wallet anymore because according to them, they have fulfilled all righteousness. But your generosity begins after your tithing. That's when generosity begins. It's measured by your free will offerings. Number four is dedication offerings. A dedication offering is an offering given after a dedication, like after the dedication of something like a house, a property, you know, a, we have baby child dedication. Anytime you dedicate something to the law, you give an offering at the end of the dedication ceremony. In Ezra chapter 6, verse 17, it says, An offer at the dedication of the house of God, a hundred bullocks. This is talking about the people of Israel. They offered at the dedication of the house of the Lord a hundred bullocks, two hundred rams, four hundred lambs, and for a sin offerings of all Israel, twelve goats, according to the number of the tribes of Israel. Numbers 7.11 says, And the Lord said to Moses, They shall offer their offerings, each prince of his day, for the dedication of the altar. You can see again in Second Chronicles 7.5 and in Luke chapter 2 verse 22 when Jesus Christ was born the parents had to go dedicate him to the Lord. And the Bible says when the days of the purification according to the law of Moses were accomplished they brought him to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. As it is written in the law of the Lord every male that openeth the home shall be called holy to the Lord and offer a sacrifice according to which he had said in the law of the Lord, a pair of turtle doves and two young pigeons. There were two kinds of dedication that you could offer. For those who were well-to-do, they could offer a ram, a cow, a bullock, or whatever they had, 
But for those who were poor, like the parents of Jesus Christ, they were required to give at least two pigeons or two tortudos, which is what the parents of Jesus Christ offered. So, dedication offering is like a signature on your dedication. Like it's like a signature on a check. If a check is not signed, that check cannot be cashed. So when you dedicate anything to the Lord, what seals that dedication is the dedication offering. So do not do dedication and just do prayers. The man of God or me, I will never ask you for dedication offering, but you should know. Because number one, you're not giving it to me. But if you understand what dedication is, you understand you don't dedicate anything without giving an offering. Number five kind of offering is seed faith. Seed faith. Now, what is seed faith? Or call it seed offering. You must have heard a lot about seed. People say, sow a seed, sow a seed, sow a seed. Even though it has been exaggerated by many, it is a biblical principle. What is a seed offering or a seed faith? A seed offering is simply an offering connected to a prayer request. Let me say it again. A seed faith or seed offering is an offering connected to a prayer request. I'm giving this offering, O oh Lord. I say, the Bible says, faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. So I'm going to look for a job. And that job is advertised online. And the salary of that job is $100,000 a year. And I believe that I'm going to get that job. So what do I do? I take, the ten, I take a tithe of my first paycheck, assuming that I already have that job. And I give it to God. I say, oh Lord, as I give this seed, remember me. That is a seed faith. Is connected to a prayer request. I'm looking for a child, for example, and I say, Oh Lord, I am going to help 10 pregnant women in this season. As I do this, Oh Lord, remember me and give me my own child. That's a seed faith. I'm going to pay the school fees of some orphans. And I'm paying that school, saying, oh God, as I pay these fees of these children, remember my children also. That's a seed faith. In 2 Corinthians 9, 6, it says, But this I say, he that soweth sparingly shall reap sparingly, and he that soweth bountifully shall reap bountifully. Genesis 8:22 says, While the earth remaineth, seed time and harvest time, cold and heat, summer and winter, Day and night shall not cease. 2 Chronicles, Second Corinthians 9.10 says, Now he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will also supply the increase of your store of the seed and will enlarge the harvest of your righteousness. So in every blessing that God gives to you, there is a seed and there is a bread. But it's unfortunate that many of us do eat our seed and eat our bread. The seed is so you sow it for the next season, for more harvest. In Genesis 26, 12 says, Then Isaac sowed in the land and received the same year a hundredfold, and the Lord blessed him. Now when Isaac sowed, it wasn't money Isaac gave. Isaac actually planted crops in the land. If you read the NIV and many other versions, it will say Isaac planted crops in the land. 
But the principle behind this verse is that God did not just bless Isaac out of nowhere. Isaac had to sow something. It was what he sowed that the Lord multiplied and gave back to him as a blessing. So if you sow nothing, God gives you nothing. It is a seed that you sow that God is going to multiply and bring it back to you. So if you want to reap, you have to sow. Prosperity does not answer to prayer. You don't pray to prosper. There are covenant principles aligned for prosperity. One of those is sowing, giving. Prosperity doesn't answer to prayer. Prayer only comes into play if something is trying to hinder your prosperity. For example, satanic forces, witchcraft, diabolic powers trying to hinder your prosperity. That is where prayer comes to play. But prayer doesn't answer to prosperity because God has laid down covenant principles responsible for our prosperity. And one of those is seed sowing. In Hosea chapter 10, verse 12, it says, Sow to yourselves in righteousness, reap in mercy, break up your fallow ground, for it is time to seek the Lord till he come and rain righteousness upon you. One of the ways to break new grounds is by sowing seed. You break new grounds by sowing seed. You break new grounds by sowing seed. If you are stuck at a particular level, you want to change that level, you sow a seed to the next level. Especially if you see a level you desire in someone or in something, sow a seed into that thing. You remove yourself from where you are to the next level. You sow up and you go up. The next kind of offering is testimony offering. Testimony offering. In Luke chapter 5, verse 14, Jesus Christ said to the man who was healed of leprosy, he says, he charged him to tell no man, but go and show thyself to the priest and offer for thy cleansing according to Moses' commandment for a testimony unto them. So there was, a, there was an offering that was prescribed for testimony. When somebody went into the house of the Lord to testify of a healing, there was an offering that was required. To give. This was Jesus Christ telling the man he had healed that when you go and show yourself to the priest, in other words, when you go to the house of God to show yourself that you have been healed, give an offering in, com- in conformity to what Moses said in the law as a testimony. So anytime you testify the goodness of the law, if you understand what testimony is, you give an offering. This is the reason why some people testify and immediately after they testified, they start receiving attacks because you testified and left an open door. But when you testify and give an offering, you seal that testimony. It's like you close the door of the enemy to that testimony by your offering. It is a good practice to cultivate that anytime you are coming to testify, you give an offering to the Lord. And the enemy cannot dare attack that testimony. There are people who have testified of a pregnancy. The next thing you know, miscarry. Some have testified of a job. They have a pending offer. A pending offer. And they say, just give us two weeks to do some checks. They will give you a final offer. They never hear back again from the job. Because the moment 
you testify, you attract the jealousy of the devil. But when you testify and seal that testimony with an offering, the enemy has nothing to do, 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 do about it. Because when you give an offering, like I, I seal it, it is so. I come into agreement with God that whatever God has done is permanent. Hallelujah. And number seven is sacrificial offerings. Sacrificial, a sacrificial offering is an offering given beyond expectation. An offering given beyond expectation. It is an offering that is given above and beyond. Above and beyond. An offering that costs you something. An offering that, that is painful to the heart. In Exodus chapter 36, verse 4, it says, So all the skilled workers who were doing the work in the sanctuary left what they were doing, verse 5, and said to Moses, The people are bringing more than enough for doing the work of the Lord, for doing the work the Lord commanded to be done. Verse 6, Moses commanded, then Moses gave an order. And they sent this word throughout the camp. No man or woman is to make anything else as an offering for the sanctuary. And so the people were restrained from bringing them more. In other words, the people gave so much that the workers in the sanctuary who were building the temple started complaining that this offering is too much. Can you imagine? They gave sacrificially. They gave all. It was like those in the early church. The Bible says they sold their land, they sold their property and sold everything and brought all to the church so that everyone had something, they had all in common, giving above and beyond. Apostle Paul is testifying about the Macedonian church in 2 Corinthians 8.3 says, For I testify that they gave as much as they were able and even beyond their ability, entirely on their own. Verse 4, they urgently pleaded with us for the privilege of sharing in this service to the Lord's people. Verse 5, and they exceeded our expectation. Like I said, a sacrificial offering is offering beyond expectation. They gave themselves first of all to the Lord, and then by the will of God also to us. An offering beyond expectation. Sacrificial offerings are the pathway to changing levels and breaking yokes, activating breakthroughs by sacrificial offering. You remember the story of the the widow who was gathering sticks in First Kings seventeen, and she said to Elijah, Elijah said, "Give me some water to drink." And then, as she was going, and she said, oh, and please also give, make me a morsel of bread. And the lady said, as long as the Lord your God lives, all I have is a little flour and oil. Then I'm about to go make a meal for me and my son to eat and die. Elijah said, first, make a bread for me. It was a sacrifice to know that the last meal that I'm about to eat with my son this man of God is saying, bring it to me first. She had to sacrifice it. And when she brought it to Elijah, Elijah said, 
as as long as the Lord God I serve liveth, before whom I stand, that jar of oil shall not run dry, and that flower shall not be finished until the day the Lord God sent rain. And the Bible says, for all the days of the famine, there was food for Elijah, and there was food for the widow, and so on. But that was because she made a sacrifice. She gave the last that she had and broke the yoke of famine, poverty over her life. If you remain at the level of normal, if you, kept doing, if you keep doing things ordinary, you will remain ordinary. The way to break out of the ordinary is sacrifice. The way to break out of tradition is sacrifice. Nothing speaks in the realm of the spirit like sacrifice. Yesterday we read from Second Kings chapter 3 about the king of Moab who went to war with, with Israel. And the Bible says when he saw that he could not prevail against Israel, he sacrificed his son that will sit in his place as king. And the Bible says after that sacrifice, he prevailed against Israel and Israel ran away and fled from him. Sacrifice. You cannot be outstanding without sacrifice. If you want to go beyond the ordinary, you have to learn how to make sacrifices. We see in Matthew 26 about a woman who brought a perfume that was worth a year's wages and poured it on Jesus Christ. You can imagine taking one year's salary and buying a perfume to pour on someone for one day, one year's salary. That was a sacrifice. What is the sacrifice you've made for the Lord? What is one thing you've done for God that you can say, I have made a sacrifice? This month is a covenant month of sacrifice. Every month of April is a covenant month of sacrifice. I want to encourage you this month to think about an area where you can make a sacrifice to the Lord. And the last kind of offering for today we're going to talk about is a vow. A vow. A vow is a promise offering. An offering contingent on what the Lord will do. A promise offering. In Genesis 28, verse 20, and Jacob vowed a vow, saying, If God will be with me and will keep me in this way that I go, and, he, and will give me bread to eat and clothing to put on so that I come again to my father's house in peace then shall the Lord be my God number one and this stone which I have set for the pillar shall be God's house and all that the Lord gives me I will surely give a tenth to the Lord so Jacob said to the Lord if you will protect me take me out and bring me back Make sure that on my way I have clothes to eat, food to eat, and bring me back to my father's house. You'll be my God, number one. This place where I've dedicated this stone shall be your house, and I'll give you a 10% of everything you give me. That was a vow. Like I say, a vow is a promise offering. We see also in First Samuel chapter 1, where Hannah made a vow to the Lord and said, and she vowed a vow and said, O Lord of hosts, if thou will indeed look on my affliction of thy handmaid and remember me and not forget thy handmaid but will give me a 
thy handmaid a man child, then I will give him unto the law all the days of his life, and no razor shall come upon his head. So Hannah vowed a vow, said, God, if you give me a male son, I'll give him back to you. It was a promise offering. A vow is an offering where you say, God, if you do this for me, I'll do this for you. In Ecclesiastes chapter 5, verse 4, it says, When you make a vow to the Lord, do not delay to fulfill it. He has no pleasure in fools. Fulfill your vow. So a person who doesn't pay his vow is a fool. That's what the Bible is saying. Numbers 30, verse 2 says, When a man makes a vow to the Lord or takes an oath to oblique, obligate himself to a pledge, he must not break his word, but must do everything he said. In Job chapter 22, verse 27, it says, You will pray to the Lord and will hear you, and you will fulfill your vows. Another typical example of a man, person who made a vow in the Bible is Jephthah. Jephthah. In Judges 11, if you read verse 29 to 40, Jephthah prayed, made a vow, and said, God, if I go to this war and you give me victory, when I'm coming back, the first thing that I see, I'll give to you. I don't know what Jephthah was thinking. Maybe he thought on his way back from war, he was going to see one of his goats, one of his donkeys. But on his way back from war, the daughter saw him from a distance and ran out to go greet the father. When, Je when Jephthah saw the daughter coming out of the house, he was like, oh no, oh no. But he had to obey his vow. So he gave that, that lady, that daughter, to the Lord. And so the daughter told the father, please give me some time. She went to the mountains and mourned with her friends. And from that day, she went and lived in the temple all the days of her life. She had to keep her vows. Vows are very binding. Vows become like covenants. There are some people who make vows. Oh God, if you bless me, I will do this. If you bless me, I will do this. But the moment that blessing comes, they completely forget. God doesn't forget. You forget, but God doesn't forget. So don't be quick to make vows because when you make vows, they are binding. And God will always remember that vow. So if you have ever made a vow that you have not fulfilled, please go back and Make that vow. So this is the last uh, kind of offering that we're going to talk about today. But this is all to say that God is expecting us to be generous in multiple ways. The only way we give to the Lord is not through tithe and offering. There are multiple ways you can give to the Lord. And the more you abound in generosity towards God, the more He will give to you. If you are not giving to the Lord or to people or to the things that God is asking you to give. You are closing your own doors before the Lord. So this is a season where we have to be intentional about sacrificial living. It's not about us. It's much more than us. And when we learn to do what God has asked us to do by obeying these covenant practices, then things are going to change for us. Maybe you are just one step away from your miracle by one act of giving. Maybe your breakthrough is just waiting for one act of sacrifice. Maybe your breakthrough is just waiting for you to fulfill that vow, something you promised to do that you've not done. Once you begin to do these things, then God is also obliged.
to do what he has promised to do because he's a covenant-keeping God. His covenant he will not break, nor alter the words he has spoken from his lips. So I believe with these various types of offerings that we've talked about today, you will understand how to give and how to relate with God as he regards your generosity. Father, we thank you again for the privilege to be here this evening to study your word. Lord, I ask that as we have heard these things, you will grant us grace to put them to practice. The Bible says, blessed are those who hear your word and do it. Grant us grace to do all that we have heard in the name of Jesus. Amen. And amen.